Hello out there, breadwinners. This is Regina, and you are listening to Office Politics Radio, a podcast dedicated to helping you with your work life. You can get in touch with me and find out more about me and my show at officepoliticsradio.com. You can also follow the links to my Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn pages, or you can email me directly at Regina at officepoliticsradio.com. Hello out there, breadwinners. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Office Politics Radio. My name is Regina, and I am your host. We're going to jump right into our mailbag this week and see what we have going on. A listener writes in and says, after a recent promotion, a part of my new job is to revamp our wellness program. We currently have a few things in place, but I wanted to make the program a little more interesting because hardly anyone participates in any of our initiatives. What can I do to update or revamp our program? Very good question. So this week, my top five is going to focus on some ways that you can maybe infuse a little more energy into your wellness program. People probably have a little wellness fatigue having heard the phrase so many times and they don't really know some of the things that they can get that will benefit them. And also employers probably need to look at their programs to make sure they're still meeting the needs of their employees. So the first thing we'll talk about is what a wellness program is not. Initially, when wellness programs got popular, it was so employers could lower their healthcare costs. So there was a mad rush to get, you know, gym membership discounts. Let's not bring in any donuts and pastries. Let's bring in some granola and fruit. And somehow that will translate into a healthier workforce so people wouldn't have to go to the doctor as often which is obviously a noble endeavor, but it's gone beyond that. In 2017, the U.S. market for health and wellness reached around $167 billion in the United States. That's billions with a B, with an increase of around $4 billion that's expected in 2018. And we don't want to focus solely on physical wellness because I think that's where everybody tends to just start and stop. But we also want to focus on your mental wellness, your financial wellness, some stress management, and some other things that will be beneficial for your workforce. So before you put that weight loss competition together, let's talk about some other ideas that go beyond the physical wellness and into some other arenas. Mental wellness is a whole other show that we'll we'll talk about. We'll, we'll touch on a few things today. And wellness is really different for everybody. Let's just say that you're already in good physical shape. You know, it doesn't mean that your mind is in good physical shape. And if your mind is in good physical shape, it doesn't mean that your finances are also in order. So there are a lot of things that go beyond the physical wellness into other areas because we tend to saturate everybody with physical wellness and just say, okay, well, you know, eat this and exercise this much and then everything else will fall into place. And that's not true for a lot of people. You know, when it comes to wellness, you're a whole person. So you need to focus and shift focus sometimes to other areas of your life in order to be truly well. You don't want to ignore the other components that contribute to your wellness in terms of your mental health, your financial stability, and some other things. And as employers, we have to realize that different people need different things at different times. So we have to take a more holistic, a more comprehensive approach to wellness, which is going to bring me to my second point. One of the most important things that I think is missing from all wellness programs that I've ever been a part of up until recently is financial wellness. 
There's very little to no conversation about what it means to be financially well. And I'm not talking about anything having to do with retirement or with saving for the future, because there are a lot more immediate needs when it comes to things that impact your financial health. Everybody's dealing with student loans, your mortgage, your car insurance, tuition. When I was trying to find some statistics and some information on financial wellness, none of the articles that I read are more than two years old. So a lot of the focus has shifted away from just being in good physical health to start to layer in some of the things that we need to do from a financial standpoint. One of the surveys that I ran across from 2016 from PricewaterhouseCoopers was about financial wellness. And it said that 52% of workers overall are stressed about their finances. 46% of workers spend three or more hours during the work week dealing with or thinking about financial issues. And 45% said their finance-related stress had increased over the last 12 months. That's a lot. You're talking about almost half of your workforce coming to work feeling stressed about finances way more than they are about their physical health. So when people are stressed out about something, they're more likely to be distracted at work by their financial situation. They're more likely to miss work due to their personal finances. And a lot of that financial stress causes a lot of physical stress. So we need to shift our focus away from what snacks we may or may not be having and really start to talk about some of the financial stressors that we deal with. A lot of employers will hesitate to get involved in their employees' personal business, but it's not about getting into somebody's personal finances per se. You're not asking anybody for a disclosure. You're not creating any liability or giving them any type of investment advice. Financial wellness is about educating your employees about their personal finance challenges. You can offer training on things like debt reduction, asset management, and saving for emergencies as well as what their future needs might be. You want to help your employees get in a position where they can purchase a home or finance their children's education or their own education and also prepare for retirement. Those things are very important, but their immediate needs and their future needs need to be addressed as a part of overall wellness at work. You want to offer some financial education and some financial resources so that people aren't coming into work so stressed out that they can't function or they're not coming into work at all. The Society of Human Resources Management, or SHRM as we call it, also did a study that found that 24% of organizations offered employees online financial or investment advice, 27% offered one-on-one -on -one advice, and 22% offered group or classroom financial advice. It really takes time to understand what is going on with your finances. It's a language that I don't really speak very well, even at my age, but it's important to have those resources available, not to take on any type of liability or to be a financial planner per se, but at least point people in the right direction when it comes to their financial wellness. One of the most misunderstood things that I deal with when it comes to our employees is just understanding their benefits and understanding what your employer is providing for you. Not just trying to log on to the open enrollment website at 1155, you know, the night before you're supposed to enroll in your benefits to figure out what your selections are going to be, but really taking time to walk through what the offering is, what the premium is that you're going to have to come out of pocket with, what benefit you're getting back, what co-pays you're going to have to pay, and what really fits your situation. There's a lot of good information out there. Take the time to read those brochures. 
I've worked for a few employers that have really great health fairs. So they put all the information out there for you. They have representatives from their company come out to answer your questions and really get people involved in understanding their benefits on a more global level rather than just have a mad rush to check a box during open enrollment. If your circumstances change during the year, you really have to look at what selections are going to be in the best interest of you and your family. So if you get married or you have a child or you're single or whatever your situation might be, walk through your benefits package very, very slowly. We have so much information that's available, but not a lot of people take advantage when they're supposed to. If you are acting as the wellness coordinator and you're the person who is putting the program together, reach out to your insurance broker and find out what type of educational tools that they offer. I've worked with some vendors where they actually offer financial education as a part of their package at no charge. So we had some on-site lunch and learns where we could do in-service training. People would come, we would get booklets, we would find out more about what our options were and how we needed to navigate some of the things that may be more confusing. But because there was a person there, we could ask them more pointed questions than just relying on a website or a brochure and maybe walking away from that web page without a lot of understanding. When you think about your financial wellness, don't just think about what your situation is. Think about the people who rely on you to bring home a paycheck or contribute a certain amount to your household to keep it running. The consequences from not having a handle on your financial wellness are just as bad as not having a handle on your physical wellness. If you're providing income for your family, you're taking care of your parents, you're taking care of whomever, make sure that you have a will or some type of living trust in place. That is going to be a huge thing. In California, if you die intestate, which means that you die without a will, the state decides what's going to happen to all of your stuff. Nationwide, we really don't take care of wills. We really don't want to think about what happens when you're not there anymore. Not to be morbid, but you want to make sure that your loved ones are taken care of, even if you're not here. Is your insurance up to date? Do people know where to find your documents? Nationwide, 63% of us don't even have a will. And of those people that do have a will, close to 10% of them are out of date and don't speak to what your current circumstances are. So you need to make sure that everything is not just existing somewhere, but it's also up to date. So if something happens that your family will know exactly what you want done with your assets and that the state is not going to decide for you. Personally, I don't have a will, but I'm going to work on that. So by the time this show goes to air, hopefully I've put a framework together because I really don't want my family fighting over the $12 that I have in my bank account. And I think by putting some of those things in place, it's going to lower your stress level a little bit, which is my third point for this week, talking about stress management as a part of your wellness program. Your circumstances are going to be what they are. The stress comes from being able to control your response to whatever those circumstances are. We all have to, let's say, embrace a certain amount of stress and figure out how we're going to react to a certain situation. What are our coping mechanisms? What systems do we have in place to keep our stress levels low? Um, We have, you know, stressors of all kinds. There's two kinds of stress. There's eustress and distress. Eustress is when something good happens, like you're having a baby or you're getting married or you got a promotion. It can be stressful. And there's also distress when something happens and a tree falls on your car or, you know, you fall and break a bone or something like that. 
those types of responses and how your body reacts mentally and physically are very similar. So as a wellness coordinator, I would say to make sure that you have a very good employee assistance program to help people deal with their personal situations. When I would have people come in and say, you know, my employee is missing a lot of work or they're disappearing during the day or they're crying or whatever the situation is that's causing that person stress, the first thing I ask is, have you referred that person to EAP? And they'll say no. And I'm like, well, that's your first course of action because you don't know what somebody's dealing with. You may inquire and maybe the person doesn't want to tell you. You at least want to point them in the right direction to get them some professional help. The best thing that we can do for our employees is to help them combat some of that stress in the earlier stages and not wait until our employees are so overwhelmed that they can't function anymore. I've read a bunch of different articles, you know, how to have a wellness program, 101 wellness ideas. About 90% of them focus strictly on physical health. There's not really anything out there about stress management. And work has become more complex and complicated than ever. I mean, even just putting passwords in is stressful. Your passwords have passwords. Trying to remember all all that when you're already focused on something else or your mind is somewhere else is just going to stress you out even further. Just trying to get to work some days, dealing with the traffic, dealing with whatever when your mind is somewhere else causes you to lose the ability to function. And you're going to need something to help you calm yourself. And as an employer, we need to make sure that we're providing resources for our employees to deal with whatever it is they're dealing with. Help your employees celebrate their victories. You know, it's very easy to be negative and then we pile on and then this is going on and, you know, misery loves company. But it's like the serenity prayer, you know, and whatever it is you believe in, God, Buddha, Allah, Oprah, whatever, learn to let things go, you know, accept the things that you can't change because there's so much that goes on in different situations that we have absolutely no control over. We have to learn how to let things go. That's going to lower your stress level from you know, an internal standpoint, but as an external resource for that employee, you want to make sure that you're saying, hey, you know what, I've noticed maybe you're struggling with something. We don't need to get into any details, but here's a referral for you. Most EAP programs work where the employee could take a couple hours off on work time for their initial consultation, and then they'll get an assessment and then they're referred to another professional. So if they need to see someone on an ongoing basis, that's available for them as well. And once they go through whatever course of treatment it is, short term or long term, they can come back to work refreshed and happy to see you, which is the fourth thing we're going to talk about, being mindful at work. I know, I know. When people hear the word mindfulness, they think, okay, so are we supposed to have like a drum circle? Are we supposed to be chanting and doing yoga and things like that? No, it's not that. It's not some long midday meditation or anything like that. It's about being present in the moment. And this is such a big part of wellness because we operate mostly on autopilot. You know, you get up at this time, you scramble an egg, you get out the door and you get to work. And we don't often pause to just say, hey, let me just take a moment to take a moment, you know, and really appreciate what's going on around us. I read an article from the Harvard Business Review that says people spend 46.9% of their waking hours thinking about something other than what they're doing. And the mind wandering typically makes them unhappy. 
And that's exactly what happens. I mean, how many times are you in a meeting, but you're on your phone, you're walking somewhere, but you're really checked out, you're driving and you're trying to return a text or you're in a meeting and you're trying to return an email or you're working through lunch and not giving yourself a break because you're not present in the moment. So you really need to detach for a little while from the phone and focus on what's going on around you. Mindfulness is not about some, you know, new agey existence anything. It's really about mastering two skills, focus and awareness. And your focus is going to be your ability to concentrate on something, the ability to say, okay, what am I doing in this moment that I can really complete or that really needs my full attention so that I can get my work done? And awareness is your ability to recognize any type of unnecessary distractions. And there's no bigger distraction than that phone. What I've often found myself doing is I'll go in to my office in the morning and for the first hour, I don't do anything but email. And then for the rest of the day, I need y'all to leave me alone on that email. Don't email me with an emergency. If it's an emergency, somebody will call me. You know, I would like to return email by the by close of business. So the I do what I call tops and tails. So the first hour, I go through all my email, figure out what I need to do that day. And then I revisit my email at the end of the day. It's so easy to get on that email hamster wheel where you're trying to keep up with the flood of email that's coming in. And it's impossible. A lot of times people will just email you a bunch of nonsense or you're CC'd on something or it's a, hey, thank you. Or what about this? What about that? Because it seems like nobody uses the phone anymore. So I try to get people into the habit of actually picking up the phone if they have something urgent that they need to talk to me about. One of my former coworkers, I used to text her all the time when we would have to meet in the morning to get our training classes together or whatever. And she didn't like long text messages. So she told me, if a text message from you is going to be more than four lines long, then you need to pick up the phone and call me. And basically, those are some of the guidelines that you have to give people. I've gotten text messages that don't even come in in one message. It's like seven messages back to back to back. And you're like, what just happened? And it's the same thing with email where it's 19 paragraphs long. And it's like, come on, man. Now I'm going to have to respond to everything bullet by bullet, point by point, because your statements and your questions are going to make me have to give you a different answer. And then we're going to be back and forth on email when we could have just had a simple 10 minute conversation, maybe not even 10 minutes, and saved us both about 40,000 keystrokes. And the more time that I spend on email, the less time that I have to do some of the other things that really require my presence. We've all heard of Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs um, from Abraham Maslow. And one of his quotes is, the ability to be in the present moment is a major component of mental wellness. And the more that you have something that's distracting you, you can't focus, it's hammering away at your mental wellness. Mental wellness is a whole other conversation for another day, but we've been sold this whole you know, our new standard is supposed to be, oh, we're all supposed to be multitasking and doing 10 things at once. And our brains aren't wired that way. Everything suffers because multitasking does not work. You know, if you have too many plates spinning in the air at once, some of them are going to fall. So you need to be more in the present moment, figuring out what you need to do that you can actually complete. When you're multitasking, you're not really completing anything. You're putting your hands in a bunch of different pies, but you're not really finishing anything at all. So we need to get back to just tasking instead of trying to multitask. So now with the advent of two-factor authentication, it's a whole other thing. 
So what happens is you're trying to log on to your email and then the email is going to send you a text message and then you have to put in a verification code just to get into the email that you were just in a few minutes ago. But it automatically logs you off because you were idle for too long. So now you have to start the whole process all over again. So what our IT department requires now is you can't use a word. You can never reuse your password, God forbid, but you can't use any word that you find in the dictionary is what they told me. So you have to come up with a phrase. Then you have to take the first letter of each word in that phrase, and that's your password. But you also have to have a number and a special character. So I said, you know what? Let's just leverage this to make this something positive. So if you come up with a phrase that you really like, like, you know, inner satin tights fighting for your rights. You have to take the first letter of all of that and then put like a $99 sign on the end of it. But because you have to enter your password so many times in a day, that repetition of some type of positive reinforcement or something positive in your password, it actually helps you be a little more mindful at work. You're really thinking about, you know, I'm really thinking about fighting for your rights. Putting my password in 47 times a day is kind of a hassle because it seems like the screen locks after 17 seconds, but it is what it is and I'm trying to work Work with it. You know, you spend a lot of time in your office at your desk. And the other thing I would say about being mindful at work is please, please, please declutter your space. Okay. We all have that coworker whose desk looks like a crime scene. It looks like a bomb went off on their desk. And what's the first thing that they tell you? I know where everything is. Um, no, you don't. And even if you know where it is, how long is it going to take you to find it? That's a waste of time. And you're losing time in your day because you can't focus on what I need you to focus on because there's so much stuff at your desk. The cleaner that your space is, the cleaner that your mind will be and you can actually focus on things because if you come into piles of paper, piles of nonsense, you start your day in chaos and then your day stays there. You know, you don't have to be able to eat off of the desk or anything like that, but we all know when a purge is needed. And if you don't think you need a purge, ask your neighbor, you know, hey, does my desk look crazy? And hopefully they'll be honest with you whether you need that or not. I'm always the first person to tell you, um, I don't know what's going on on this desk, but I'll help you clean it. When I worked in a cubicle, I helped all my coworkers get their desk together because it really helps you focus. If you have to go through piles and piles of stuff, it's just, it's chaotic for everybody and nobody needs that, you know? And if something were to happen and you win Powerball this week, I'm not cleaning that off, okay? You're gonna have to leave that all behind. Which brings me to my last thing we're gonna talk about today. Take some time off as a part of a wellness initiative. Encourage your employees to take time away from work where they're not tethered to their phone, they're not calling in, they're not leaving all these instructions, but they're really taking time away from work. And not a vacation, you know, you don't have to go to Disneyland or travel somewhere, but just time away from work to collect yourself. We as employers do a very poor job of encouraging our employees to take time for themselves. We squander 658 million unused vacation days. And that's time that you can't roll over and you're not getting paid out for it at the end of the year. And if you reach your cap, then that's it. You just stop earning and then all of that just sits there. That time results in about a $61.4 billion in forfeited benefits on an annual basis. And that's why I was saying it's really important to understand the financial impacts of the things that we do at work because that's what contributes to our overall wellness. So if you're not taking advantage of the vacation time, you're just leaving money on the table. And I'm not talking about sick leave because I've had so many people come to work while they're sick, you know, and it's like, oh, I can't miss a day of work. And they just turn into work martyrs. You can do us all a favor and not come to work when you're sick. The rest of us don't need to get sick. 
It's not a sign of your loyalty or your dedication if you're there every day when you're not really able to function at work and all you're going to talk about is how sick you are. And as employers, what we tend to do is we offer like a sick leave buyback where, hey, if you don't use any of your sick leave, you know, we'll cash you out X amount of dollars. That incentivizes your employees to come to work sick and they need to take their time off when it's necessary. There are very few occupations where you need to be available all day, every day. You know, even at my job, I tell people, hey, it's HR, not ER. So let's all just take our time if we need it. You know, go home if you need to, because trust me, I'm not doing your work for you while you're gone. And it'll be here when you get back. You know, perfect attendance is for children. But when you think about the rewards that we give to people, it's because they come to work every day, rain or shine. And that's not always in their best interest. You know, if you're in third grade, and you manage to not get sick all year, yeah, you get a little award. That's great, you know. But Timmy doesn't have responsibilities. Timmy doesn't have a mortgage. Timmy doesn't have student loans. So Timmy's stress level allows him to go to work every day because he gets a nap during the day. He gets to go to recess during the day. We don't get that as grownups. We tend to shame our coworkers if they want to take time off just to have a moment for themselves. And it's unhealthy to do that. People really need to take a break because If you don't, it just creates a pressure cooker for you, you know, and you can't sustain that pace. That's how people get burnt out. That's how it contributes to stress. That's what increases your healthcare costs. That's what increases your stress levels is not having that time to regroup. Project Time Off is an initiative to give everybody back their lost week of vacation. They say employees who take 10 or fewer days of vacation time are less likely to have received a raise or a bonus in the last three years than those who took 11 days or more. And think about it. If you're coming to work every day, that's great, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be the person who gets the promotion. You know, one in three managers never talk about the importance of taking paid time off with their direct reports. And another 11% only discuss it once a year, where it's like, hey, aren't you going to take a little time off around the holidays or whatever? The holidays are so stressful. I don't even like taking time off during the holidays. I'd rather be at work because nobody's there. And I like to take time off a day here, a day there, just to get myself back together. And when you take that time off, it's not about a cruise around the world or anything high adventure. Stay home one day and Netflix, get up like you normally do, take the kids to daycare, and then just go back home. And don't even tell anybody. Because the minute that you say, hey, you know what, I'm taking Wednesday off, people want to plan stuff for you. I don't want to go get my hair done. I don't want to go get my nails done. I really don't even want to finish this conversation with you. I want to go back in my pajamas lay down and watch that Law and Order marathon that I know is coming on. And that's all I want to do today. Like I said before, take a moment to take a moment, okay? We're all going to be dealing with something at some point. We're all going to feel that pressure at work to get something done. But, you know, plan your day off ahead and say, hey, you know what? I'm not going to be here on Thursday, but here's what needs to get done while I'm out. I always tell people, you know, I might be at a cell phone range and not able to get right back to you. You know, chances are I'm in my living room. Nobody has to know that. So just a quick recap recap for the top five things that we talked about this week about wellness. First of all, make sure that you know what it's not. Don't narrow your focus only to physical wellness. Offer some financial resources for your employees so that they can be educated about where they are now and where they want to go in the future. The third thing is to be mindful of your stress level from an internal and external standpoint. And as an employer, make sure that you're offering people resources to deal with their stressors. The fourth thing is to be mindful at work, just taking a deep breath, pausing, you know, not trying to do 47 things at once and not getting any of them done. And most importantly, take some time off. 
take a little wellness leave. Sometimes that's all you need. You need a little change of scenery. You need to be out of the office on a day that you might otherwise be in the office, but just take some time for yourself just to hit your reset button. If you've been enjoying the show, tell a friend and share my links all over your social media because the best endorsement is word of mouth and that's how I grow my audience. Also take a moment to go onto iTunes and leave me a rating review so other people that we don't know that we're not friends with yet can also find my show. All right, breadwinners, that's it for me for now. Thank you very much for listening in and keeping in touch. I read everything that you submit and I appreciate all of your feedback and your comments. You can find me online at officepoliticsradio.com. My site has links to all of my social media platforms as well as my contact information. If you have any other questions, comments, or show ideas, just get in touch with me. Have a great work week. Be nice to your HR staff. And until I talk to you again, behave yourselves.